Howdy, Sound and Strain Gang. I am indeed your host, Ryan Cano, aka your washed music manager, aka the loyalty firm, aka Dr. Frugal, aka RC, aka the house cat. This is episode 17, and we're going to talk a lot about cannabis today, so put that shit in your pipe and smoke it. What is up, y'all? Welcome to Sound and Strain. I am your host, Ryan Cano, and I am coming to you from Austin, Texas, 512 Chillin'. Uh, there's been so much rain this month that uh, the weather has been slightly bearable. Uh, July usually kickstarts this awful trend of 100 degree days, and for several time, uh, for several times at a time, you get those 100 degree days, and I am not into that shit at all. My Sjogren syndrome makes my skin feel pretty tight and dry most of the time, so like when I get some sun uh, on my skin, uh, it feels like it's literally burning. Uh, so I, I probably need to talk to my dermatologist about that and how sensitive the skin has gotten over these years. But yeah, I am typically inside during this time of year. It's just too fucking hot. But with all the rain and with the cooler temperatures, I've been able to get out and play. So that's been kind of cool. If you are new to the pod, welcome. Sound and Strain is a music business and cannabis podcast. We talk about and play music. We talk about the music industry. We put you up on free game, free strategies that help you get ahead in your music career. And we talk about cannabis. We talk about the cannabis industry. And I also just talk about my life. Uh, This podcast really does cover a lot of territory, but that's what we're all about. So I forgot to mention this last episode, but I had eardrum surgery, uh, specifically a surgery called tampanoplasty. I recorded the last podcast, uh, episode 16, early in the recovery of that surgery, and it's still going on right now uh, at the end stages, wrapping it up. I got a hearing test to see you know, how it's all healing this past week, and you know, in my ear, things sound slightly muffled as of right now, um, and the packing uh, is still there kind of at the back of my eardrum, so the side of my head still feels tight. I mean, it doesn't hurt. It just, I don't know, it's just tight. Uh, it's weird. So the recovery will be well-earned once it's all done because um, it has not been easy. You know, part of the recovery is that you got to be keeping your ear dry when you bathe, and that's been challenging. Not being able to do strenuous activities has been really weird. Uh, Like, you couldn't even do something as simple as mowing the lawn. So I had to hire someone to mow and edge my lawn for the first time in my life. You know, doing that kind of honestly made me feel like a rich person, if that gives you any idea how frugal I am. So... You know, besides the recovery and surgical procedure itself, uh, recovering from a surgery or an illness always has these like hidden costs. So, you know, here I am hiring a professional yard workers to take care of it and, you know, just money I did not expect to spend. But also, I definitely enjoyed not having to do that shit. 
mowing the lawn in the heat fucking sucks. And I developed an allergy to grass, uh, specifically Kentucky bluegrasses, which I am just surrounded by. So I'm out there mowing the lawn in a mask uh, because it's just an easier way to make it, you know, to get through it. So, yeah. Anyways, just been chilling recently uh, and, you know, chilling physically since the surgery and just hoping things get back to, you know, regular here soon. You know, regular with me personally. Uh, I want to go swimming. I want to go to some outdoor shows. I want to jump in an airplane and go places, you know, but I just got to wait a little bit more. Uh, I basically have two weeks to go before the packing behind my ear dissolves, but at the checkup this past week, I was told the eardrum has healed, and that's exactly what I wanted to hear. Um, My hearing uh, is improved, and we're hoping the hearing will get to 100% and moves past any damage that the perforation in my ear uh, caused. Uh, When I had that perforation happen, I lost about 15 to 20% of hearing on my left ear after the hole broke open, and that happened during a, like, major ear infection. So... Lucky me. One big part of healing this eardrum has been that I have not really been able to get high. Smoking feels weird, and I feel I can feel that heat when you smoke, uh, like kind of in that ear, nose, throat uh, areas, and so much more right now while my my eardrum is healing. So I've been taking like baby balls or otherwise just not doing anything at all. Definitely has not been like a full THC reset, but very, very, very close. Um, I started having dreams again, although they've all been like these lucid stress dreams. But that's another story. But yeah, having dreams again. Uh, Anyways, your boy has been enjoying tinctures and some edibles. I'm starting to appreciate that high so much more. It's just been having a positive effect on my autoimmune illness symptoms, specifically tissue and nerve pains. Although I don't really have enough edibles to kind of like... Uh, you know, get you there that like a fresh bowl can kind of get you at times. As many of you know, I have multiple autoimmune illnesses, specifically Crohn's disease, Sjogren's syndrome, and fibromyalgia. Uh, why did I say that so weird? Fibromyalgia. Yes, I have Crohn's disease, Sjogren's syndrome, and fibromyalgia. Uh, can I even talk? Um, so, uh, so edibles and tinctures have really have helped me big time during recovery. I've had like uh, this Marionberry gummy. It almost tastes like a Marionberry like fruit roll-up or like a Marionberry sort of like Haribo or something like that. Uh, but it's been great. Um, having that gummy, um, I don't know, it just feels like a warm bath when it kicks in. It's like almost like how you feel when you're drunk on wine, but without you know the bloating and without the hangover. It's been really an amazing option to just get me on to the next day. So much of getting myself prepped day to day requires these constant like checks and balances with medicine, rest, and cannabis. Uh, and you have to check in with yourself constantly just to see how things are going and how you feel. Uh, I did get hit with kind of a brutal but very brief flare-up last weekend. It was Crohn's disease giving me major issues for the first time in a while. Um, I've had some more Sjogren's issues the past few years, but Crohn's wanted to remind me that it is still there. So I had major intestinal bloating, uh, making my belly look like Santa Claus on a on a bender. And, you know, the big issue was that I passed a shit ton of blood and it got me down bad. Um, I was sort of caught off guard with how depressed it made me for a few days, like how much that rocked me emotionally. And, you know, it's because I fight so hard day to day just to feel normal and pain-free. 
and uh you know it was just disarming and and hard to accept that this uh, disease does not have a cure and no matter how much you treat yourself right in the process you can still get got i mean it's scary luckily the flare-up was brief but it has left me a bit nerve-wracked that something not good could be on the horizon for me health-wise as it relates to that digestibly so you know i'm basically back to eating a low residue diet to really kind of get myself right basically low bulk easy to digest stuff you know steamed rice fish shit like that you know it's early in the show but let's go ahead and transition into this now here's the strain of the week which you know i maybe should rename strain of the episode or strain of the month or something like that considering how unhinged the recording and episode scheduling has been so far uh, lately thank you for sticking with me for those of you who have been here since episode one uh i know it has not been a consistent rollout but anyways okay let me get a drum roll no no not that uh give me that sick ass single stroke drum roll so I can set this shit up proper. The strain of the week is... Grape Ape. This classic strain may be one of my favorites. This is a mostly indica strain that crosses Mendo Perps, Skunk, and Afghani. Named for its distinct grape-like smell, this indica is known for providing carefree relaxation that can help you soothe pain, stress, and anxiety. Its dense, compact buds are wreathed in deep purple leaves, which darken as the indica reaches full maturation. Effects you can feel are relaxed, not quite couch-locked, but relaxed. This is a good evening or nighttime strain as you wind down into your nightly routine. If you have bouts of insomnia like I do occasionally and you know you get tired of watching shitty ass movies at 3 a.m. trying to get to sleep then you should really partake in some grape ape and get your body into that relaxed state allowing you to rest. Breaking open the sticky flowers with a grinder gives off a different odor. With some skunky musk from that skunk number one parent and more of a thick hash scent from the Afghani part of the strain. When inhaled though, the slightly harsh smoke from Grape Ape tastes more fruity than skunky. Notes of grape and berries predominate, leaving behind a sweet sensation at the top of the palate. You, of course, can find Grape Ape at your nearest dispensary. And, oh, I forgot to mention that the THC levels range from 17 to 25%, and CBD is nearly non-existent in this strain. Speaking of THC percentages, have you heard about lab fraud amongst many of the labs that test your marijuana before it gets to the dispensary? It's really fucked up out there. We have a, you know, a new legal industry, not enough standards at labs, and just many areas open for fraudulent behaviors. So you can find this article on 538, but corrupt labs are cheating stoners out of the pot they think they're buying and the industry's potential problems with lab fraud are unlikely to go away as more states legalize weed and regulations grow increasingly dependent on measuring THC. The measuring of THC is important. New York plans to tax cannabis by THC content when commercial sales begin in the next few years. And there's a growing nationwide movement to limit the THC content of legal products. But how can you collect taxes and enforce laws based on a product's THC potency if you can't trust how much the THC is actually there? To let you know how it works at the state level, pot farmers and processors 
uh, must pay private and state certified labs to conduct batch specific tests before any products can be sold to consumers. The samples must pass a quality assurance check, ensuring your cannabis is not contaminated with things like E. coli or mold, and they end up getting tested for their cannabinoid potency, usually by measuring the presence of the most two common active compounds, uh, CBD and THC. In theory, this testing system should be more robust than other consumer products uh, like produce or alcohol, because those are only really tested when there is a suspected safety issue. But in practice, some of these labs across the country have been accused of outright fraud. Labs have been caught inflating THC potency levels, passing moldy cannabis on as safe to consumers, and some have even just made up results entirely out of thin air. Um, A blistering 2019 audit of Oregon's testing system found that the state's testing program cannot ensure that test results are reliable and products are safe and said the state regulatory program had limited authority, inadequate staffing, and inefficient processes. That doesn't really inspire confidence, you know, when when buying as a consumer. Experts say that LAV corruption is widespread because the incentives to cheat are too high and enforcement is basically ineffective. These lab tests have serious financial impacts on America's multi-billion dollar legal cannabis market. If a sample fails its quality assurance test, a farmer could have to destroy an entire crop of cannabis. So the stakes are high. Ensuring <laughs> uh, uh, accurate tests um, are made, is, it's just made more difficult by the fact that pot essentially is a a vegetable, uh, which means that there's natural variation between different samples taken from the same plant. If you are new to marijuana and cannabis, I think it needs to be said that THC isn't the only metric to consider when making your choice of strain. Uh, There's just so many other great aspects to your smoke. CBD, terpenes, CBN. It's just just a lot of things to consider in your strain, taste, all that stuff. Uh, I honestly find a lot of satisfaction with strains that hit in the 15 to 20% range. You know, once you start getting into the 25%, 30% and up, it's kind of like, where's the, where's the weed? Am I just smoking keef on a leaf? Like, what's going on here? Cannabis aficionados have long claimed that THC potency is a poor measure of cannabis quality, equating that for shopping for pot based on THC potency with more like shopping for wine and beer based only on alcohol content. One of the advantages for consumers in legal states is that you get the variety and the protections that your pot is mold-free and otherwise good for you to imbibe. Having the confidence to know your cannabis is safe from toxins is just a necessity for consumers. The incentives for bad players need to be taken out of the equation somehow. I mean, fuck fines. Close the fucking lab instead. If people feel like they could potentially lose the entire business, not just some business, then it doesn't become an operating standard. Find them, you know, use that money to get a real state approved lab going, maybe even a state owned lab. I mean, it's just ridiculous that labs could fuck it all up for the legal cannabis movement, all due to greed. Uh, And not just labs, obviously, you know, marijuana producers are a part of this, uh, you know, cycle of fraudulent incentives. Anyhow, 
this they could fuck it all up for everybody. So if you want to know more about this, you can check out that article on 538. It is its title is America's Pot Labs Have a THC Problem. And that can allow you to get even more granular on this topic, but there's just a lot of fraud happening. Just wild stuff. Um, so anyways. Yeah, with that, I think it's time to take a sesh break, don't you? Let's go listen to some music. This next track I'm about to play is my favorite piece of music to come out of Austin so far this year. This song is called Black Delegation from the new ATX supergroup Ghetto Gala, which is, or is it Ghetto Gala? Either way, which is, uh, the group is basically, it's uh, Jake Lloyd and DZ Brown. On this track, we're specifically going to hear Ghetto Gala will not only have Jake Lloyd and DZ Brown, but they'll also have the Tita and Haley O'Ryan. Enjoy. We'll be right back. Crank the car, grab your coat. This is the night of the year. Lady in the front, chrome fit in the rear. Splouses, blouses, black owned everything. Her friend said she played 10 seasons for her wedding ring. Life's great. Swing at the end of the world right way. Save me dance but hold the attitude bring it back for dessert or use me as your file back skylab crashing back to earth testimony from the broke call malone how i push the envelope only cadillacs are welcome a player's ball in the country this is very seldom this is invite only skin tight only this is luxury for us won't let them take it from me this is on and off the field play calling tony dungeon long story short this is a celebration send me your location Cause you don't wanna miss this one You ain't never had this much fun It's the black delegation Sipping white Russians with Caucasians This is integration, son This is where we come from I just want the glory, Kobe, Ori, the high of momentum 24 stories, old war stories, surpassing the ones who came before me I'm just pushing the game forward, those who ignore me, now root for me We just treat them cordially, then invoice them, the voice of the voiceless Facilitating culture, mamba mentality, this one for my mama who would've thought me freestyling in third grade would be valuable? Results of me scribbling on my notes and calculus. Results of us going through all our challenges, treating it as a catalyst. Lord, let us build palaces, I'm praying on it. The devil is a lie, stay devoted. Just cause you miss a shot don't mean the whole game over. I'm about to turn poverty to power, turn coal into gold and remember some of my realest homies. It's a celebration, send me your location. Cause you don't wanna miss this one. You ain't never had this much fun It's the black delegation Sipping white Russians with Caucasians This is integration, son This is where we come from Inside a ride, 30 minutes later, gotta be at dinner with a senator. I know he full of shit like an enema. Sitting back watching us take over like a cinema. See, it used to be no black kids in this whole neighborhood. Then the white people moved out to I wish a nigga woods. Ever since then, we've had producing canned goods. And right where you standing, it's right where the man stood. When he told my mama we ain't have enough money. Came back, bought the property, and it felt damn good. You know what I shed? Sweat, tears, and blood. And you know about the 
tornado, come meet the Texas flood. Uh-huh. Haul of the above like a scantron, bubble in the letter. You're stuck in your own little bubble like bath suds. JJ Watt, nigga, you ain't getting nothing past us. Lloyd. Yes, what a fucking song. Ah, so good. That was Black Delegation by Ghetto Gala, which is a group formed by R&B artist Jake Lloyd and hip-hop artist DZ Brown. That track you we just all heard uh, also had the Tita and Haley Orion on it. Um, sidebar, it was announced about a week or so ago that the Tita was added to the ACL lineup this fall, which is pretty cool. Uh, anyhow, Ghetto Gala has a self-titled EP out. They also have a screwed and chopped version out of it too. Uh, which is very good. It's just good music to vibe to with plenty of memorable verses and one-liners throughout. Take the track we just heard. I mean, I can't quite quote this word for word, uh, which you'll see why, but... You know, in Black Delegation, when Lloyd says, See, it used to be no black kids in this whole neighborhood. Then the white people moved out to I wish a nigga woods. Ever since then, we've had producing canned goods. I mean, holy shit. Let's let's break apart what we all just went through in a couple lines. We're addressing suburban white flight, racist homicidal fantasies tied to suburban property right protections, food deserts, and the lack of food options at one time, and in another, you're flourishing with neighborhood food options once black people are allowed to open their own groceries. All in a few lines. Just densely packed and powerful wordplay. And this whole EP has lines like this. Just smart, multi-layered lyrics that show the major potential of this collaboration. This track, Black Delegation, just gives me those like celebratory vibes that you got in Southern Playlistic Cadillac Music from Outkast. Uh, this song is a celebration and a declaration. It's quite quite the track to sort of debut yourself um, with in, in a scene that is just so rich with talent. And I hope you're hearing what I'm hearing out there because this is one of the most exciting new acts, if not the most exciting new act from the great city of Austin in this past year. Record labels, like major labels, looking into the Austin scene and wondering who to invest in, you really need to take a strong look at this project. It's that good. This is a huge, huge endorsement for a Ghetto Gala. Uh, I know I keep pronouncing that Ghetto Gala, Ghetto Gala. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they both work. Uh, anyways, uh, so Jake Lloyd, one half of uh, Ghetto Gala uh, in that collaboration, he came onto my radar through my job back when I was the music director and talent buyer at the Pecan Street Festival. At the time, he was working with Reno Dudley, a very talented artist manager I had connected with uh, when I discovered and booked Alicia Lani, uh, who is perhaps my favorite R&B artist uh, working in Austin right now. Anyhow, Jake is a very good follow on Twitter, and in following him, you get insight into what makes his music so unique. I have found that the music he talks about gives you a look into what inspires his musical output. And I think what makes Lloyd's musical output so unique and so fresh to me is that he listens to a wide range of musical, you know, of music outside uh, the genre of music that he makes. He just has a wide array of musical inputs that all get funneled into what he creates and you know, for his musical output. This episode should have, uh, if you look into the description of this episode, it should have his social media handles in the notes and all the other artists involved uh, with this project. So give all those artists listed there a follow on their various socials. 
All right, switching gears some. I was going to talk about cars. Have y'all shopped for a new vehicle lately? Jesus fucking Christ, they shot up in prices. We've heard plenty about the cost of housing going up during the pandemic, especially if you're like in Austin and the Hill Country area, but not a lot has been said about new cars. To grab a mid-sized truck, yeah, a truck. They're more fun to drive and they're what I learned to drive on, so fuck you. But uh, yeah, to grab a mid-sized truck with maybe, you know, the medium but not fully loaded package will run you 40 racks. 40,000 fucking dollars. What the fuck? That is a serious cost to just take on considering what a poor investment vehicles are. Big problem right now is because of supply chain issues, we are looking at a bubble for used vehicles. For instance, a used Ford Ranger right now is like $35,000, but a brand new one is like $40,000. Weird as fuck, right? So I've been shopping and test driving cars lately. Uh, I almost pulled the trigger on a Mitsubishi Outlander SEL all-wheel drive, and that car is nice as fuck. The one I test drove was loaded out, um, mainly because, but mainly because I wanted the all-wheel drive version. They were aggressive with trade-in value and even financing, but something just held me back. I don't really know. I think part of it is that I ultimately, like mentally, I can kind of justify financing an expensive to me vehicle if it's a truck, but not as much if it's an SUV. It's just not as versatile for the uses I will use it for. Uh, I'm slowly getting past that, I think. Um, I've been kind of getting more used to the idea of an SUV lately, but it's, I still think I ultimately want a truck. I think also didn't pull the trigger maybe because it's a Mitsubishi as well. Um, I don't know. I don't like, I'm not a hater or anything. It just, I don't have as much confidence, I guess, as I do in other uh, brands. I have a Ford now that I have driven for 14 years. And I'm kind of hoping the next thing I get lasts 10 to 14 years as well. And what may very well be the last truck or SUV I get that runs on gasoline, which is kind of wild to think about. I do have to say in this process of shopping, I haven't been super impressed with the salespeople's jobs. I get that they probably don't need me right now because people are just buying cars like crazy right now, but they may need me in three years, five years, or seven years when I get a second vehicle, or maybe when I buy one that's just for fun. Uh, on that Mitsubishi, I was like five yards away from the, you know, scoring a touchdown, like from them getting a sales, like I was really close, and I didn't really get sold enough in some ways at that last step. I may have just ground them down in terms of discounts and rebates, but, you know, if they offered me maybe like a thousand dollars more in that trade-in, I'd be driving that shit right now. Seriously. But I think I may have just settled on getting a new Ford Ranger and custom ordering it and waiting like 12 weeks or so for it to show up. That seems kind of baller and the salesperson at that Ford dealership has been pretty consistent and open ideas in terms of getting me into a new vehicle. But I'm also strongly considering a hybrid SUV, either a Toyota RAV4 hybrid or a Hyundai Santa Fe hybrid. Anyways, it's just been weird to see the prices of used vehicles go up to what a new vehicle is almost. Um, you may as well just get the new vehicle. Uh, you know, I want the warranty. I want the, I want to get that dealership friendly financing. So I'm going to be patient until the right combination of those things, you know, make a decision on my part uh, to be as clear as day. I did test drive a RAV4 hybrid and I liked it, but the ride just didn't feel as luxurious as the Outlander, which I can't really get past just yet. I also came across a used 4x4 Ford Explorer with over 100,000 miles on it uh, on a government auction website. But you know, the frugal side of me is really itching to put in a bid there 
Like I think I could secure that vehicle for eight grand ish or so. You know, right now a similar SUV on Carvana is going for like fifteen thousand at the lowest, and most of them are around eighteen to twenty k. So the deal aspect really speaks to me as a consumer. Either way, I feel like I'm circling the end of this process, and I'm going to buy something soon. I should have become a social media influencer so I could just convince Ford to give me a F one fifty Lightning for free to drive around and take it cross country or something. Anyways, uh, now as a you know as expensive cars are priced right now, loans are not. If you have a good credit score, you can find loans from credit unions for less than a percent. That's right, less than one percent. I actually got financing pre-approved at like 0.79% as part of a credit union. And like the most hilarious thing about this credit union was to qualify as a member, I had to join the Texas Tech Alumni Association. Like I've never been on that campus. I've been to Lubbock like four times in my life with two of those times being me driving through the city on a road trip to Colorado Springs and back. So if you you financed your car years ago, you may want to take a look at refinancing on the same term or a shorter term because the APR is just super, super low. I mean, why why pay interest rates that you don't need to? All right. To pack the last part of this show with some music business talk, I figured we'd chat about the music industry. And what's top of mind right now for me is a bit of fear. I mean, we're back. Shows are back. Touring is back. Shows are announced. Austin FC and the Houston Astros are got their stadiums packed with people. Like, doing events is back. I'm vaxxed, so fuck yeah, let's fucking go. The fear, though? Well, this past week, uh, Austin, Texas went under stage four restrictions again for COVID. Pretty much 99.5% of hospitalized COVID-19 deaths are amongst the unvaccinated. That is a staggering statistic. The Delta variant we're now seeing is getting those with the vaccinations, uh, with the vaccine sick, although they aren't getting deathly sick in most cases. You know, some early reports as as it relates to tracing the Delta variant has had reports of people catching it from small interactions in outdoor spaces. So think like at the stadium when you get funneled into a bottleneck spot for a moment. Uh, There's been, you know, it's been reported that's happened. And if that's the case, the Delta variant's going to be easier to get infected by. And if you can just catch it outdoor in a very short, brief interaction and where you didn't ever touch each other, uh, well, then concerts in the live events industry are, well, we're fucked. I honestly don't mind masking up inside, but if we can't do things inside, then the industry gets knocked down to a grinding halt for the second straight year. Venues, concert promoters, musicians can't afford this shit, especially if the government just plans to give us two spread out stimulus checks that hardly cover most of our bills for a single month. Here's the deal, y'all. If you care about doing things like being outside, going to an arcade, going to see live music, dancing your ass off to an awesome DJ, then you need to get the vaccine. Uh, it's just your responsibility as a human being. And all you all you people resisting this, remember like you had like five shots you had to take before you could even enter kindergarten. Quit resisting. Like what at this point is essentially like a preventable disease or a preventable death. If if you just get the shot, you can prevent your death from that disease. So why play in traffic? The COVID-19 vaccine is free. If you didn't know, it's free, free, free. Just getting poked real quick is much better than ending up in a hospital on a ventilator dying alone. Think about that. 
you'll be contagious with COVID-19 in a hospital, on a ventilator, dying alone. Fuck that fate. So it's getting spooky out there. Without more getting jab, we're just looking at we're looking at another shutdown. If you think supply chain issues were a problem now, they'll just get even worse. You think the prices of cars are going to like are expensive, they're going to shoot up even more. The prices of home, homes and lumber and all that shit, it just goes up. So please get vaccinated and please try to convince one of your anti-vax family members or friends to get vaccinated too. One of the issues is that we don't get enough people vaccinated. This COVID-19 will continue to morph in ways that maybe no vaccine will stop it. You know, most older people who, you know, would be anti-vax but love their grandkids got the vaccine when those grandparents' own children said they wouldn't let them see their grandkiddos without that vaccination. I fucking love that method. You know, bribe people. Uh, I, I like that method, though, because... You know, it makes people get past their ego. And that's what a lot of this anti-vaccination stuff is. It's ego. If it's tied to politics, that's your ego trying to tie something to a political perspective. That's really about science and survival. And if you're just anti-vaccination person, that's tied to your ego and thinking that you're smarter than people who literally study this and create this stuff for a fucking living. I mean, most people that are anti-vax were terrible at like middle school biology you know, in middle school chemistry. Like, how the fuck are you going to be talking about infectious diseases and really understand what the fuck is going on? You don't. So, like, as an adult, you do have to trust professionals and people who are basically dedicate their lives to this stuff. You know, a lot of people do kind of get a cold or sick after the, you know, first jab or even second jab, but a lot of people don't. My, my side effects, I had a sore arm and a sore peck. That was it. Pretty easy. The sooner we all realize that our individual actions affect us all collectively, the better it's going to be in this situation. But I'm very fearful that, you know, the events and concert uh, industries are about to shut down again. And it's really just due to selfish behaviors. You can prevent this disease. You can prevent your death from this disease. Just go get the jab. All right. So something I've had on mind lately in the music business is how the album cycle has gotten shorter and shorter in the streaming era. And it probably got halved during COVID-19. You realize in 2020, we got albums from Charlie XCX and Lady Gaga, and we pretty much stopped talking about it almost as soon as it came out. Uh, Taylor Swift did fine, but most others, not so much. I mean, let's even look at this year. Fucking Migos came out with Culture 3, and we're already not talking about it. So, you know, if artists can't take their music on the road, uh, more than ever, you have to have an effective rollout strategy to keep the album alive. Uh, you need to be making, like, official music videos. You need to be getting your official artist channels across social media and music platforms uh, verified. You're going to need to live stream concerts and then break apart that recording into live music videos to be experienced after the fact. You're going to need to be active on social media in ways that might feel quite a bit extra than what you're used to. Otherwise, the album is forgotten about once it's quote-unquote free on streaming platforms that people pay monthly fees to. That's why a pre-release strategy is going to be super important for you. Let the lead time up to an album dropping be longer, months longer even before an official street date. Start dropping that first single like five months before the album drops. 
Seriously, accumulate the sales by providing uh, access and products sooner than the casual fans would find it. You know, treat your fan base with something that feels exclusive for a moment and rewards them for making that financial investment in you. You know, one person buying your album, your CD, your vinyl record will put more money in your pockets than someone streaming your music is, you know, exclusively for a year would. The difference is like that much financially. So some people make their album exclusive several months on Bandcamp before it's officially out. That's one strategy you could use. The other aspect of the pre-release that gives indie artists like yourself an advantage is that in the United States market, anything that accumulates before the official release date counts for week one sales. This is why you'll see an artist like, say like Post Malone, release a few singles throughout the year. And when he drops a full-length LP, those singles from the previous year are on it. And it's because those sales, those, uh, those AEUs, which means album equivalent units, all gets applied to week one sales. So it's a bit of gamesmanship to ensure that you can hit a chart position that you want. The amount of sales it takes you to debut at the top 20 is not as much as you would think. You may be able to empower yourself to chart on Billboard in a way that would truly shock the music industry. Think about how Mogwai got their number one album in the UK. Granted, they are a very popular band and a known entity, but also not so known that I think those guys expected to get a number one album. And just like you may not expect to even chart at all, I am telling you that you likely can. If you are on Bandcamp, Bandcamp reports your sales to the charts. So sell your music. Push your music. Give yourself a big space to launch and throw as many new ideas as you have into the equation. Because once your album is quote unquote out there for anybody and everybody, then it's free on those streaming sites. And then it gets much harder to get people to buy it and it gets much harder for people to stay with your music. The average consumer thinks they've already paid for your album when they're paying to subscribe to a streaming service. The average consumer is just moving on to the next release after they've listened to yours. I think binging culture plays into this some in terms of like consumer behavior. We've gotten used to crushing a season of Netflix, you know, in a few days for something that it took those creators seven months or even a year to make. And music is very much the same same way you know it takes an artist a year or two to write to record something and then all your fans stream it in over a day or two and then ask you when the next album is it's like shit man i just made this album uh it took a while to make took a while to develop took a while to record took a while to launch it ain't just gonna happen so yeah the longer time you wait to drop the album officially is just more time to create conversation about your lp and to create an event around the music all of this is why you see four singles dropped before an album comes out instead of the usual standard of one maybe two max i've even seen some releases drop six singles before an album is out yeah, six singles. And those singles sort of build on each other because you want the streaming statistics. You know, the side A first single you drop ends up becoming the side B on the next single you drop and then the C side on the next one and so on and so on. You end up stacking your singles with each new single that is released. And this is playing on consumer behaviors. It plays on how you consume music because you know, consumers typically don't click out of an artist or a playlist once you've started a track on the top. Plus, artists don't want the platform taking you away from their music. So they stack their singles together as each one comes out so it can kind of keep playing on to the next one. And of course, you know, as I mentioned earlier, 
This also accumulates for week one sales figures. When thinking about releasing your music, start thinking about ways to ensure that people keep you and your baby top of mind so we don't move so fast past your creations and on to the next one so easily. If major labels and major artists are doing this as a strategy, the strategy is one you can emulate even with the smallest of budgets. So how's that for free game? Anyways, y'all, I, I need to get going. Before I do, let me mention that if you would like to get in touch with the show, it's pretty easy. Please send us an email at soundandstrain at gmail.com. Please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you may listen to this. If you have not subscribed to the show, please do that right now. That will remind you automatically when a new episode of mine drops, since you already know that I keep a loose schedule with this. Uh, Subscribing also helps these podcast platforms recommend Sound and Strain to other people. All of that shit helps us defeat the algorithm and get through to others. Help me help as many people as this podcast can reach. There's like a hundred y'all checking out this, uh, checking out every episode. So let's try to turn that into 250, into 500. And the only way I can do that is if you tell a friend and then they tell a friend about Sound and Strain. Anyhow, yo, I uh, I gotta get out of here. I gotta test drive some more cars. Maybe when next month's episode drops, I will have bought one and I can tell you all about that shit. Taking us out the show is none other than my guys, my boys, my dogs, my education. I'm going to play you one of their classics called Snake in the Grass from their debut full-length album, Italian. My Education is currently wrapping up a new album as we speak, and they are getting it closer to the shopping stage for me. I cannot wait to show record labels what they've created. I think the new music is going to impress some folks out there, especially longtime fans of the band. Get excited, y'all. In the meantime, be safe out there, And remember to go easy on yourself. That line is as much for you as it is for me. Anyhow, without further ado, this is Snake in the Grass by Texas post-rock legends My Education. Peace.
Go get it.